Emmanuel, God with us. As we saw last week, Emmanuel, God with us, is a theme that runs all the way through the Bible. And since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God gave us a gift, the Holy Spirit. And so Emmanuel, yes, it is God with us, but now Emmanuel, God with us, has become the Holy Spirit, God within us. And how blessed we are today to live life in a way recognizing that the Holy Spirit The Spirit of God resides within us. Today we're going to read from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and you can either turn in your Bible to there, or you can follow along on the screen uh, up above here. Luke writes this, he says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Uh, I, I think I might be feeling the same way, right? You have an angel show up and says, hey, you're favored? It's like, uh-oh, <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Um, but the angel of the Lord said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus, which naturally produces lots of questions in someone's mind, like Mary or any one of us. Uh, Luke goes on and says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will rule, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Great question, Mary, asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Doesn't make sense. The angels answered, here's how it happens, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born in you will be called the Son of God. And we referenced this last week when we talked about the Spirit in Genesis 1, the Spirit hovering over the waters and the chaos as God spoke words of creation. Here, the Holy Spirit hovers over Mary and new life is born. Luke goes on to say, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Uh, How many of us are ready to say yes to whatever word the angel of the Lord brings to you? Are you ready? 
Because I, I just want you to know, and many of you already know this, that oftentimes, and probably I would say the majority of the times, if the angel of the Lord, or if a word comes to you, or if God gives you something to do, most likely it's going to turn your life upside down. And it's going to be different from what the world around you says, this is the way you should live life. Jesus, uh, he is the one who saves people from their sins. And we saw this in our text last week when we read from Matthew, where it says, uh, Matthew tells us they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew also told Joseph, we looked at Joseph last week, and, and Joseph is told by the angel of the Lord, you are to name him Jesus. In fact, the text says this, Matthew one twenty one. she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There's a play on words going on right here. You see, Jesus, the, the name Jesus in the Greek is Jesus, and the origin of that Greek word is, is the Hebrew word, Yeshua. Yeshua is a compound word, and Yah, Yaho, is where we get Yehovah or Jehovah, and Shua, the meaning there is to save or to deliver. So Yeshua means Jehovah delivers or Jehovah saves. And so for us in the English, it's Jesus. So Jesus' name literally means Yahweh saves or God saves. And so we could read Matthew 1, 21 this way. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name God saves because he will save his people from their sins. We often see that in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, that a person is given the name and, and you look at the meaning of their name and you find out a lot about, oh, this is what their life is supposed to be about. In fact, we're going to see a little bit about that today as we move forward. Salvation. What is salvation? Jesus has been sent and is to come and He will save His people from their sins. You think, uh, uh, <clears throat> I think us evangelicals kind of got off track on this whole salvation thing, especially I think in the last century, in the 20th century, where many of us grew up in. And it's nothing bad, it's just that we got so focused on getting people to pray the prayer that that became the thing. If I can just get that person to pray and ask Jesus into the heart. And then that becomes a question we ask. Did they pray and ask Jesus into their heart? Salvation is so much more. Mm. And so we're going to learn a little bit about salvation today. And we're going to learn about salvation from three different people in the Bible. We're going to learn about salvation from Joshua, Elisha, and Jesus. Joshua, we know Joshua. He was the one who 
followed in the footsteps of Moses. And you remember, Moses led the people out of Egypt and into the wilderness, but Moses didn't lead the people into the promised land. And there's different reasons why that happened, and that's not what's important for us today, but Moses' job was to lead the people out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Moses, the Hebrew, his Hebrew name is Moshe, and Moshe means, I have drawn him out. And the young princess of Pharaoh, uh, daughter of Pharaoh, is the one who found Moshe in the reeds in the Nile River, and she named him that, I will draw him out. But what she doesn't realize is that God had given him that name before he was even born. How powerful is that? God uses a young woman, a daughter of Pharaoh to name a man he has chosen before time to lead his people out of Egypt. I have drawn them out. Moses draws the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. Joshua then is one who actually leads the Israelites into the promised land. Now Joshua is the Hebrew word Yeshua. Sound familiar? Yaho meaning Jehovah. Jehovah being the proper name of the one true God. Yeshua <laughs> The root word meaning to save, to deliver. Joshua means Jehovah is salvation or God saves. Did we not just hear about this just like five minutes ago? Joshua, whose name means Jehovah is salvation, he is the one who delivers, leads the Israelites into the promised land. So what we can learn about salvation is this. Jehovah is salvation. He leads us into that which is promised. We need to understand this. Again, salvation is more, more than just keeping somebody from not going to hell. We, we, that was the message. The message for so long was, you know, turn or burn, turn or burn. Yes, there's, an, there's a piece to that separation from God for eternity, but there's so much more to salvation because salvation leads you into all that God has promised you. Do you know what God has promised you? Some of what God has promised you is what He has promised to all of His image bearers. Spending eternity with Him, yes. Living a life of fullness and abundance, yes. But God has even promised you individually some 
things. He has gifted you. We talked about this this last fall. He has gifted you. Ephesians 2.10 You, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to walk in good works. He has promised you so much more. Salvation is He leading you into that which is promised. Elisha, who is a prophet, he was actually a disciple of Elijah. Elijah, that, uh, his name means, my God is Jehovah, declaring, proclaiming. We, we heard the word by the kids up here this, this morning, proclaiming the truths about God. Elijah proclaims the truth that God is Jehovah. If you remember the story of Elijah, he comes and he prophesies over Israel, hey, you're going to go through this long famine and this long drought. Now, in the Old Testament, famine and drought is a picture of not hearing God's Word. So there's so much more than just not rain falling. It's a... It, what basically what Elijah was saying, hey, you haven't been listening to God's word, so now you're not going to hear God's word. So Elijah prophesied the drought and the famine, and the story goes that after a number of years when everything was bad, he finally he challenges the prophets of Baal, which is the god of that time, and he challenges them to a duel, which is what all good prophets do, right? <laughs> he said, okay, let's, let's build an altar, and we're going to put oxen on it, and we're going to call down and see who, whose god's going to burn, burn up the oxen. Of course, the prophets of Baal, they run around. <laughs> I love Elijah because he's the first trash talker I know, <laughs> Right? Yo, so is your God sleeping, or what's the deal? Maybe he's going to the bathroom. I don't know. Yell a little louder. Nothing. And then Elijah, he, he, he doesn't just call down fire from heaven. He proceeds to dig a moat around the altar tells some guys to come and pour water over it, soaking everything and filling up the moat. Then he calls for God to, to send down fire. And it not only consumed up the sacrifice, it consumed up the altar and all the water. And see, the challenge was there. Who's ever God sent down the fire... That is the one true God, thus Elijah's name. My God is Jehovah. Elijah did exactly what again, before time is even, before Elijah's even been born, when he's been named, he has been brought into his destiny. This, is, this was Elijah's purpose, was to declare, to declare to the Israelites that his God is Jehovah. You may worship Ball right now? Mm. But he's nothing. 
Elisha, as I said, this is, this is where we're going to get salvation from. Elisha follows after Elijah. Elisha is short for the Hebrew name Elishua. Sound familiar? It's another compound word, El, L-E, which means God. Shua, cry for help. So Elisha means, again, God is salvation. Who do we cry for help? We cry for help to God. Now, Elisha comes along after Elijah. Elijah has defeated the prophets of Baal. But now Elisha goes around Israel and eradicates all of the idol worship. So Elijah defeated the stronghold. Elisha went in and cleaned house afterwards. He traveled all over Israel, was an advisor to the kings. He lived amongst the people. He was one of them. And he eradicated all of Baal worship around Israel. Now, Elisha and Joshua sound very similar, but they're different because Joshua led the people into the promised land, so salvation was in the promised land. Elisha, the Israelites are already in the promised land. This shouldn't be a deal. Salvation is even those in the promised land already, so it's less about physical transformation and more about a heart transformation. Elisha's salvation is about eradicating every place of idolatry. You see, you can be in the promised land and still worship other idols. Are there places of idolatry in my life? Idolatry, we, we think of, you know, Baal, the God, or we think of, you know, statues or whatever, people bowing down before. Idolatry is anything that we put before God. Like maybe a relationship with another person. Like maybe your career. Like maybe money. In the New Testament, Paul calls greed idolatry. So again, the question is, is there any places of idolatry? Because salvation, yes, leads us into that which is promised, and salvation eradicates any places of idolatry because you and I cannot serve two masters. Jesus is the last person we're going to look at. Jesus is the ultimate example of salvation. We know that He is the one who provides salvation. And as we looked at earlier this morning, Jesus... Jesus is the Hebrew word Yeshua, where Jehovah saves. We, we all heard that, and so here, 
Jesus um, is salvation. And just like Joshua had somebody that came before him, Moses, and Elisha had somebody that came before him, Elijah, Jesus had somebody that came before him, and that was John, John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, we hear about John the Baptist, starting with verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. This is Zechariah. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, later becoming John the Baptizer, which, again, like, like all the other names, John has a Hebrew origin, Johanan, and that means Jehovah has graced, or Jehovah is a grace giver. So by John preparing the way of Jesus, it's beginning to show us, or show the people, that Jehovah is a grace giver. John the Baptist is going, hey, I'm preparing the way. Repent, because you're a sinner. But repent, because there's one coming after me, the Messiah, who's going to come and bring salvation. Verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, talking about John, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even though he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. See that? See, see now how, how it's tying together. Elijah went in and defeated the prophets of Baal, set it up so Elisha could go through and eradicate. John is, is in essence coming in there. John came in the power, in the spirit and the power of Elijah to what? Turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom and righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hmm. Elijah prophesied famine. You're not listening. John the Baptist basically prophesied the same thing. There had been 400 years since there was any kind of prophet. And Elijah's going, hey, you guys are a mess. You need to repent. Because the Messiah is coming. John begins to show the people that they have gotten off track, and thus his message is a message of repentance. But Jesus comes, and Jesus comes to bring freedom, to liberate us, to bring the kingdom of God, the promised land, Jesus is Jehovah's salvation, and he follows after John the Baptist. He comes and he's baptized by John. He's led into the wilderness where he's tempted. He returns, and Luke says he returns in the power of the Spirit. 
And then Jesus goes into the temple of Galilee and he reads from Isaiah chapter 61 and he says these words, Luke 4 records. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's two different words here that are used to proclaim. The first one, where it says uh, Jesus has uh, been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. That's that's euangelion, which is where we get our word evangelism for. Jesus came to bring good news to the poor. Good news, meaning that there's more to life than what you're experiencing in this poverty. Then he uses another Greek word, caruso, which means proclaim with authority. And he proclaims with authority these things. Freedom for prisoners. Sight for the blind. Oppressed set free. Salvation comes from Jehovah as he proclaims the kingdom of God. Of God. Jesus puts it this way in John chapter 10 10. He says this. Oh, Lord, oh, I don't have John 10 10 in here. Sorry. We know it. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus says, have come to give life and to give it to the full. So it's abundance. So Jesus is salvation and he proclaims God's favor. Favor meaning he embraces you. Favor meaning he loves you. Favor meaning he takes you behind the hand and he walks with you. Salvation is so much more than just saving you from going to hell. Salvation is today I will take you and I will walk with you through every step of your life. You are not alone. <clears throat> <There's, clears throat> I love God's Word. Um, and, and <laughs> I love it because there's ways that God's Word just, there's pieces that just get tied together that you don't see until you see, and then once you see, you can't unsee. And so this is a little freebie on this whole thing of Joshua and Elisha and Jesus. All right? And here it is. I got a little map up here. <clears throat> okay. So first of all, we, we know Moses led the people out of Egypt. Egypt is, you know, way down below, off the map. Then he then leads them up along the east side of the Dead Sea into about right around this Bethany point. And we know from the story then that, um, come on, baby, stay with me. Oh, that's not good. Oh, there it is. Joshua takes over right here, leads them across the Jordan to Jericho, and that's the first battle with Jericho. So Joshua leads the Israelites across the Jordan right around there. 
Got that? All right. Now I got Elijah. Uh, right up in this area is Mark, Mount Carmel, and so that's where the big battle went on with Elijah. Then eventually Elijah makes his way down here. He ran off, remember, and he was all alone for a while. He was kind of whining, complaining a little bit, which we all do at times. But then it tells the story, just before he's ready to retire, when he doesn't really retire, he just kind of gets taken up. He's down in Jericho. Okay, so he's in Jericho. And he goes down to the Jordan River, right, right down around here. Okay, Elisha follows after him. Elijah said, don't follow me. Elisha said, yeah, I'm following you because you're the man. Get down to there, the Jordan River. Elijah takes his coat, throws it into the Jordan River, and then crosses the Jordan River over to this side. Elisha comes through, picks up the coat, and now is with Elijah on the right side. Then, you know, uh, this chariot comes, and boom, Elijah's gone. Elisha then takes the coat, he throws it back into the Jordan, somewhere right around there, crosses back into the promised land, heading to Jericho, and then going all over Israel. Now, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, he's outside of Jerusalem, down in the wilderness, and he goes to the Jordan River, right around there, and then Jesus comes, and Jesus is baptized right around there. So almost in the same spot. We don't know that it's actually the same foot spot. But in that same area, Joshua leads Israelites into the promised land. Elijah steps out of the promised land, and the new prophet, Elisha, picks up the mantle and goes back into, bringing salvation back into the promised land. Jesus comes and is baptized, goes into the wilderness, comes back in, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus has saved us from our sins. And this is the last thing before we close. Um, sin, as I've shared before in other messages, means to miss the mark. Here's, here's my target. That's what I'm going for. Sin is when I'm off and I miss the mark. Sometimes we're way off and sometimes we're not so far off, but we are all off, right? We all have a tendency. We're all missing the mark. We all need Jesus to get us back on. <clears throat> Sin keeps us from entering the promised land. Jesus saves you from that sin. Sin keeps us, even if we're in the promised land, from eradicating all the idols that keeps us from being one with God. Jesus takes care of that sin. 
Jesus came proclaiming good news to all of us. He has set us free. He has given sight to the blind. You that are oppressed, you are free. This is the little baby boy that was born to Mary and Joseph that the angel of the Lord said, you will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. So where are you today? Some some of you may be still in Egypt and you you just need to get out of that slavery. Today today's the day. Jesus has already provided salvation for you. Will you follow him out of Egypt? Some of you have already maybe gotten out of Egypt, but you're kind of wandering in the wilderness. Nothing has changed for your life. Nothing nothing has been eradicated. You just got, I got my free pass to heaven. I'm not going to hell. That's good enough for me. Jesus has so much more for you. Today is the day. So the choice is up to you. We all need Jesus. We all need a Savior. I'm going to invite our prayer ministers to to come forward. And during this last song, if you... um, If you're one of those people, just just come. We we would love to pray with you. Or if you're struggling with anything else, if you just need somebody to pray with you, just just come forward. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. The writing to the letter of Hebrews says this, that you and I can approach the throne of grace with confidence, because of what Jesus done. So you coming for prayer, it's not about us. It's, not, it's just about us wanting to bring you to Jesus because Jesus is our salvation. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for the way you just tie everything together. And so I just pray for each one of us that you would put a bow on today the way you and only you can put a bow on today. And that you give us boldness and confidence to approach your throne of grace, which we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.